Hey everyone, welcome back to Entertainment Geekly. In our last episode, we talked about the entire history of superhero television. Uh, I don't know why we thought that would take only half an hour, but uh, we're ambitious like that. Or stupid, or both. You can be ambitious and stupid. Uh, just look at Fitzcarraldo. Don't look at Fitzcarraldo, it's a tough movie to watch, but it's really good. And hopefully this podcast will also be good. We're going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow and the superhero TV universe of Greg Berlanti. Let's listen. This is all to say pop culture is walking us up to the Greg Berlanti moment in the sense of like, we're now comfortable with this material. We're now comfortable with superhero conventions, with the idea of like you could tell drama with, with people with crazy superpowers or even with like people in costumes. Um, and we've seen a variety of tones and approaches tried and experimented with and taken to extremes and reaching kind of dead ends. And now here comes Greg Berlanti with like first uh, Arrow and then The Flash and then Supergirl and now Legends of Tomorrow. And, uh, and before I kind of offer my opinion on those shows and what Greg Berlanti is doing with them, first of all, do you watch them at all? Well, Jeff, uh, so this is why I was excited to... I, 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 I was excited to kind of look at this show specifically and the Berlantiverse in general through the prism of, of superhero history because short answer is no, I don't. Uh, I have seen the pilot of Arrow and the pilot of The Flash. And in both cases, I felt two things very strongly. One, those are pretty well done. I mean, th- th- this was like in an era when I had sat through a few episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and quickly decided it was just not for me. Um, and was both a little disappointed by it, but also just had a very vivid feeling that whatever Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was about, it wasn't going to be about the kind of stuff that I was interested in, which, which, which is fine. Um, with Arrow and The Flash, I had the really strong feeling, you know what, it's not that I'm not interested, it's just that I, I, I've seen these stories before. And if anything, I, I recall watching those two episodes, which Arrow was, I think, four years ago. Flash debuted last year, I believe. But one time I was kind of like, I'm glad that some people are going to discover this stuff because these seem like a pretty good delivery system for these kinds of stories. I mean, like, Arrow felt a lot to me like it was essentially doing... This is what I thought. I, I, again, I've only seen the pilot. Um... But it felt to me like it was essentially going to do a slow-motion Batman Begins with Green Arrow instead of Batman, which I thought was, that, that seems like, that, you know, that seems pretty cool. Um, but <laughs> but then, essentially, uh, our, our colleague, uh, Natalie Abrams, started talking to me about Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. And essentially, when I heard that Hawkman and Hawkwoman and Firestorm were all going to be involved, I kind of knew that I had to check it out. But I... I so watching the first two episodes of, of Legends of Tomorrow was really interesting because on one hand, I'm not a newbie by any means. I, I could I read comic books featuring all these characters. I could probably tell you at least three different Hawkman origin stories. There's the one where they're aliens. There's the one where they're reanimated Egyptian gods. Yeah. There's, there's the one where he's an adventurer. Um, but I, I, I was new to the Berlanti-verse, which was interesting because I now realize that, you know, it is a verse unto itself now. And I, I, I'm interested to know, what, what do you think about the shows that have existed uh, before Legends of Tomorrow, like with Arrow and The Flash and, and, and Supergirl? And, and, and how do they fit into, you know, the history of, 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 of superhero television that uh, you just laid out? Right, right, right. Well, um, 
I, I, I like the early seasons of Arrow. Arrow got off to a clunky start, but then really found itself with, with its storytelling. I like the Flash right out of the gate. Um, there's a lot of reasons to, to, to like them as drama, as CW shows. But from a, uh, a, a person who uh, is interested in the history of superhero TV or the way that Hollywood deals with the superhero material, one of the things that really interested me out of the gate from his first show, like Arrow, and I think this is true for almost all of these shows, is that they're very, they're very clear to me, uh, their responses to the pop culture, right? So Arrow is actually Greg Berlanti's response to Batman, you know, and the kinds of Batman stories that are being done. And by the way, like, Greg is not the only showrunner and writers that are involved. Uh, like, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole team, a whole brain trust uh, behind all of them. But we're going to use Greg and or or Berlanti versus as sort of like the moniker for all. Yeah, of yeah, yes, yes. yes. We'll, we'll we'll say he's he is the 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 guiding light. I'm I'm, right. I'm I'm trying to think of a good superhero or 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 or, or supervillain comparison, and I can't. But yeah, he's he's the guiding light out of which his his brain juice is flowing. Brain juice. Why would I go wow, there? Wow. Yeah. That's yes. Gross. He's 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 setting the tone. Let's right. Say. So I mean, like with with um with Arrow, it felt like that what we were dealing with was a story about a certain kind of archetype of superhero or character that we were that that seemed to very be very dominant both in the comics uh, comic books and in pop culture sort of the very the, the dark night vigilante the sort of like catastrophe forged vengeance driven anti-hero um that has a very morally ambiguous approach to justice so we're he in, was killing people he in was Arrow killing people one, right? like yeah. um and what what was very clear to me from the start, even though the, 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 the case of the week structure of the show was still finding itself, and they too were experimenting with, how crazy can we make this? Like, is he, is he fighting the mob? Is he fighting, like, you know, like supervillains? Like, as they're kind of experiencing that. But what was very clear is that they were telling this very ambitious, character-driven story about trying to move the dominant superhero archetype of our age, especially after 9-11, sort of like the very kind of dark, gritty, vengeance-driven anti-hero, and seeing if we can bring that character out of the darkness into the light, whether we can restructure the superhero archetype into something a little more righteous, a little more old-fashioned, and kind of like, what, what would that journey be like? And when Arrow has always been about that theme, I really like that. So... Um, and I really kind of love from the very beginning the very kind of like um, uh, very novel storytelling structure that reminded me a lot of Lost, to be honest with you. There was a lot of overt Lost allusions to it and whatever. But the idea that there's like flashback storytelling, we're cutting back to um, um, Oliver's time on this island where he's been shipwrecked. And he's going to learn, you know, like the, the tricks of the trade of, of, of being Arrow through these variety of characters, this, 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 this drama that is taking place in the past that's shaping him and forging him into the sort of like the very dark instrument of justice that he is here in the present, initially as Arrow. But we see this sort of transformation of his character slowly throughout time. 
I'm not up on recent episodes of Arrow, but apparently I think he's had a, a relapse into darkness. You Ooh. know, um, um, season four, you got to start having relapses <laughs> at, at some point. <laughs> right. But the other thing I was really impressed with about Arrow from the get-go, again, from a sort of point of view of being an admitted like superhero nerd geek guy that takes this stuff way too seriously. Is I, would, that, I would never think of, you, of describing you with those words, Jeff. <laughs> is that, is that I, I loved its, um, it was, it, it again was taking stuff out of DC Comics, but creating its a, a very sy- uh, systematic, cohesive sort of mythology of itself, taking elements out of DC Comics and bringing it in there. So the Deathstroke references or the Blackhawk references, like I just, I, I, I thought it was really a very smart approach to uh, building a very original story um, that was commenting on the, 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 the pop culture and superhero pop culture of the time um, in, in a way that it was in ultimately like not afraid of, of, of its source material, that was embracing its source material. Um, it, you start seeing kind of like, for me, the kind of live action superhero stuff that I'm really like, you know, that I, I, I've been waiting for for a long time. That 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 is that is a that is that is trying to appeal to a wider audience because at that at that time, Arrow was like kind of a different kind of show for the CW. Was trying to kind of like connect with a slightly older audience. I don't know if they're still doing that today, but like Arrow was an attempt to do that because it was a slightly older protagonist that we were getting. Um, but you, you you saw a fresh original take that was very culturally relevant that wasn't afraid of the source material. Um, uh, and I, uh, I, I really appreciate Arrow for now, that. But what's interesting to me is that, so, and again, uh, I saw the pilot of Arrow and based on that pilot, I would have told you, oh, this is, this is a quote unquote realistic superhero story. Right. Wherein, uh, you know, the, the craziest thing about this story will be that a man puts on a mask and solves crime. And what this show will do is attempt to bend over backwards to explain why in an otherwise completely real world would that happen? Because we, of course, live in a real world where that does not tend to happen. Now It's gotten crazier since then. Well, so, so, but this is why, so in the pilot for Legends of Tomorrow, <laughs> there is a moment where uh, one character played by Katie Lotz, who I glean was initially the Black Canary on Arrow, she is fighting with her sister, question mark, and they are talking openly about the fact that Katie Lotz died and came back to life, yes. and that she was preparing to travel through time. And what I love is that I mean, it it completely worked for me because I was like, oh, this is I, I you know, this is as if it is it is as if you know Christopher Nolan made a fourth movie where uh, you know Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Christian Bale uh, you know travel to DC one million or something like that. And and it, like I, I I'm intrigued to know like has that shift. Has that happened like very gradually over time with the kind in of Arrow? Greg Berlanti series of shows? Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in the life of Arrow, and again, I'm not completely up on my Arrow, I must admit. But yes, like you, you start getting into season two and season three, and they get more sci-fi. They even get a little bit more mystical. Um, well, because they do bring in Ra's al Ghul at, at some point, right? Yes. Who knew Ra's al Ghul was going to be the guy at the center of every major DC <laughs> superhero thing? That, that that always fascinates me to 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 to, to no end because but, he was always a very strange part of the Batman mythology, and an interesting part, but you know, not necessarily the first person that you would you would grasp towards, right? 
but also setting the stage, I think, for the for for the uh, gopher broke crazy of of, of Legends of Tomorrow is is, is the Flash, which um, which like again, I think you find um, Team Berlanti responding to trends in superhero pop culture, specific specifically um, fatigue with like the darker, edgier kind of like expressions that are typified by the, the, the Nolan response. And specifically, I would even argue Man of Steel, you know, which is like, you know, the, the, the big Superman reboot, but kind of completely sort of drenched in that sort of ponderous, heavy, like edgier kind of like Nolan slash or you know, uh, Zack Snyder, like, uh, like, like, like modality, but flash comes along and is responding to this sort of like this increasing heaviness in superhero pop with something that's unabashedly lighter and brighter that it feels like a, a fusion of, uh, splicing kind of like the whole like flash mythology, um, with uh, with a heavy dose of Spider Man, you know, mm -hmm. it kind of feels like it has like. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Like, uh, You're right because they was interesting taken Barry Allen, who in the original Silver Age iteration was a you know a a, a scientist. A, he was a. A clearly grown-up man. Yes, and and the Flash you're saying has basically said, "What if he was a slightly younger, more Peter Parker-esque?" Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's well, really in, interesting. In the same way that Peter Parker gives us that wonderful part of his origin story, um, which is like a great origin story in in many ways, and it's very varied and in, in, in tone. But that great thing where he like gets bitten by the radioactive spider, and then he delights in the finding of his powers. Mm -hmm. You know that. Uh, that he's like, wow, I can do this. Like, this is amazing. Um, you know, of course, he's touched by tragedy, and so is Barry, too. Um, but again, it, you know, I, I kind of felt like, like, like the Flash was a little bit of a comment or response to Superman, which is that Superman and, and Flash are, are, are very similar in, in ways. They are sort of like these, like, a very modern uh, heroes. Um, and uh, modern American heroes, and and, and you know, like, like to me, the fact that there's there's science kind of embedded in both of yes. them. obviously, like like variations of, of believable science, but you know, in a way, like you could and people have, you can plug Batman into like a pirate story or right. a Jack the Ripper story. Yes, but there's something about. Like the the Flash, you know, you always see him in that laboratory, just surrounded by you know all these various chemicals and stuff, and and that that to me just feels so kind of post-industrial, you know, post-war like America in a way that you you know you, you can very easily adapt to our own kind of contemporary technology. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I think I kind of feel like this was like a way of saying, look, we can have um, we can have super-powered superheroes that are not necessarily completely driven by vengeance or, or or you know they could be joyous they could be light um and i think that, that that he does something else in the flash really well that he he started doing an arrow um uh which is this idea of like it's, it's not all about him so it's kind of like subverting a little bit sort of like the great man kind of like you know nature of superheroes um flash is part of a team a team of characters and Flash can't be Flash unless he has this amazing support team that are both like helping him teach him how to use his powers, but also shaping his character. Um, so I, I, and, and, and 
they do that really well on that show. Um, it is a major reason to watch, like the team, the relationships, the affection. It feels genuine. It feels authentic. Um, they work really to get uh, really well together. Lots of different kind of personalities. Um, it's a it's a great reason to watch that show. Now, so then we move into this season where you get Supergirl, which although it is on a different network, it is still in the same universe, and I believe will cross over at some point. I always forget sometimes, but CBS is related to the CW in some way, so it's actually easier to make that happen than one would tend to think. What interests me is that you seem to be putting together a theory here, Jeff. If I can put theories in your mouth, yes, please. That. What makes the Greg Berlanti shows interesting is he seems to be using the characters that are made available to him. It's almost as if you know you imagine there, there's no there maybe no one really like this, but I, I'm imagining like DC sort of saying, "All right, like we can't give you Superman and Batman, but we would love it if you could do something with Green Arrow and, and the Flash." Yeah, and it seems to me as if with Green Arrow. It, you know, again, from my perception, quite explicitly by bringing in Ra's al Ghul, he has kind of said, "I am going to do a Batman series, which 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 you know incorporates Green Arrow into that, but which will also, in a way, respond to Batman. Yes. And the Flash is going to be my kind of response to Superman. And what's interesting is Supergirl uh, just this week announced that they were going to be adapting one of Alan Moore's greatest Superman stories uh, for the man who for the man who has everything." And essentially, from my understanding, just plug Supergirl in where Superman used to be, which I find fascinating mainly because we feel it feels so far away from me. The notion of them doing an Alan Moore Superman story as a movie seems very far from what the movies are doing now. And I'm intrigued that the TV shows seem to be incorporating those elements of comic book history in a way that I find interesting. Let me ask you this then. Is Legends of Tomorrow, is this his response to the Avengers? <laughs> well. <clears throat> no. <laughs> I feel like, well, it feels much more like Guardians of the Galaxy-ish, you know, yes. that kind of like a, an eclectic array of morally ambiguous, like, hero types um, banding together to go on crazy kind of like sci-fi oriented superhero adventures, yes. right? With Supergirl, just to go back to that a little bit, I'm less impressed with Supergirl. Supergirl represents something that's very, very important, which is like diversity of representation in this genre. Um, and, and, and just in general, like, you know, we, we don't have a lot of like female superheroes. Um, and that this show is very much on the nose about addressing this problem. So in a way, again, you have another sort of, you know, a team Berlanti superhero show that's responding to the culture and where the culture's at, what the culture wants and needs. Um, uh, you know, kind of going back to Jack and Bobby um, and even in, in, into his other work, work like Everwood. Um, you know, he's a very kind of like politically aware, culturally aware storyteller, and he's kind of bringing those themes in, into his story um, telling. With, with the Supergirl, though, like, uh, my problem with Supergirl is that I don't really like Supergirl as a character. I think that it's a it's, it represents historically within superhero pop, pop a flawed way to create diversity, i.e. .e. creating brand extensions of male characters mm -hmm. as opposed to something, creating something like original, which I will always favor no matter what across the board. Um, and I think that you start seeing also uh, Team Berlanti like relying on its own formulas for success. You Interesting. Know? So again, we have another team-oriented approach 
Um, I just don't think that the Supergirl mythology kind of like gives you a lot of interesting stuff for really good, interesting superhero storytelling on that show. If, and also, it's made for CBS. So one of the great freedoms that Team Berlanti has on the CW, I think, is permission to be narrow. You know, to kind of go for a sort of target audience and to be a little bit more like I geekier, you yeah. know. Um, with, with I think it's okay. To, I, I, I think it's still okay to use that word, but by the way, it's funny yes, because I'm I find by it no, 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 too, no, no, yeah. no, no, it's funny because I find that I too am hesitant to use that word now only because. Not because I feel, not because it seems like a bad word, but actually because it, it's it's become an intangible as far as what definition are you using. But I think the definition you're using is what I was kind of referring to earlier, which is you know, a story where the main purpose is to show Supergirl as a uh, hardworking uh, person in New York City with a job and with relationships. That may be the greatest thing ever. But that is not as geeky as a story where Supergirl is seeing alternate reality visions of her life on Krypton. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like which, is, just, which, is, which is the Alan Moore story, right, uh, right. the version but, of the story they're going to do. Right, which, like, which, which I guess to me, this is why, so, so just to kind of shift to Legends of Tomorrow, again, coming in totally cold, uh, I kind of loved it. Only because it was, it felt like all the, it, it felt like all the Lucky Charms marshmallows in one place very quickly. Um, you know, the show begins, you're quickly reintroduced to all these characters, or in my case, introduced for, for the first time. They are all, for, for the most part, I, I, I thought they were all kind of interesting in the sense that it reminded me a lot of comic books when I was a kid, where it was very clear that someone was just like, we aren't doing anything with these characters. Can you put them on a team? You know, can you can you make them into the Defenders or can you make them into Fantastic Force, the the, <laughs> right. the little remembered spinoff of Fantastic Four? Um, well, and yeah, oh sorry, but but uh, just what I find interesting is from what you're saying, it sounds to me that Legends of Tomorrow is the polar opposite of Supergirl, where it, it may in fact be going too deep into that well as far as just being like you know. There was a moment in the second episode when Neil McDonough suddenly appeared uh, wearing what looked to me like an Ernst Stavros Blofeld cosplay <laughs> outfit. Now, I loved this, and I loved even more that it was not explained. Right. I, I then looked up like, ah, I see. That was a drop-by cameo by a character who's appeared on Arrow. So, in a way, that worked for me better as a random thing than it may have worked for someone who is steeped in all of this. And since you are a little more steeped, uh, you know, you, you, you reviewed Legends of Tomorrow for EW.com, but it, it, it's fair to say that I, I think you reacted to it a little bit less positively than I did. Yeah, what I see in that show is, um, is, 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 is television, pop culture, Team Berlanti saying to us, okay, like, um, we have permission now. We've we've trained the audience. The, 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 you know, mainstream pop culture has gone fully geek. Um, we are now completely familiar with and comfortable with the conventions of superheroes and stuff like that. And now we have a little bit more permission to uh, to, to kind of just go a little bit bonkers. <laughs> You know, if, if the new century of 
superhero pop is essentially like, let's just say the past doesn't matter, uh, sort of the golden age, you know, introducing these great icons with their origin stories and their defining stories to the masses, you know, Spider-Man, Batman, the X-Men, and all, all of these characters. Deadpool. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, Deadpool <laughs> is going to be another podcast for another day. I kind of feel like um, uh, Legends of the Fall. Uh, Legends of the Fall. Jeez. Legends Great of Berlanti's new superhero <laughs> series, Legends of the Fall. Oh, my God. Who would who would Wentworth Miller play in oh, Legends oh, of the Fall, geez, though? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I just see them kind of get, going permission to kind of like just kind of like, you know, put their metal, uh, put their foot on the gas go a little bit deeper, deeper, go, uh, you know, deeper cut characters, uh, exploring, you know, uh, different sort of like aspects of the DC Comics world. Um, and I, I, I love it for that, you know, like in many ways, but I, I, I've been waiting for this show, but this show that really kind of like, like, like just, just, just minds that really deeply, maybe kind of like, uh, adapt some 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 great stories but the the, the but is is that it's uh, i i feel like two things my, my um i think I, I love the cast i like the characters that they've chosen um i think it's just too much yeah interesting um, it's just, there's there's it's, it's, it's too, there's too many characters too many characters to service that gets in the way of of, 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 of really great scenes and really great drama. I kind of talked a little bit about like the, the, the spectacular special effects sequences in this, you know, the, the, the fight scenes that are both spectacular, but also kind of unsatisfying at the same time. You have these sort of like sweeping camera moves that captures all of them in action as, you know, fighting individually or cooperatively. You get these panoramic shots, but you, you, you never kind of like push in deeper and, and, uh, and, and I, I felt like that was like a, a metaphor for the problem for the whole show is just that it wants to kind of like grab its arms or, you know, wrap its arms around all of this. And it's just not, it's not, it's, 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 it's just too much. It's, it, it's escaping its grasp. It's, it's, uh, I'm glad you bring this up because to me, what's interesting is like, it sounds to me like what you're saying is Legends of Tomorrow, in some respects, all of superhero television history has led us to this place yes. where there is a live action TV show that feels as if it has all of the prerogative to do what animated TV shows yes. have been doing. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But, but to go even deeper than that, because, you know, it's also, it feels as if, you know, we are the fourth show in this universe on television now. So we can really, I mean, we can start bringing in very extraneous parts of superhero mythology and assume that people will follow us there. I mean, this is not spoiling anything. They have announced that there will be a Jonah Hex appearance later this season. And they've announced that there will be future versions of Arrow appearing at, at some point. And it's interesting that, you know, if we assume that the first 60 years or first 70 years, however, however much we've talked about of superhero TV shows, if there were kind of self-imposed limits, we are now at the point where the only limit may now be that this is a TV show. And for me, 
the most deflating part. Yeah. The, the yeah. most deflating part of the first... It, it, it was a two-episode pilot, essentially. The pilot ends... You know, we are told at the start, we'll be traveling all through time to try and attack Vandal Savage, who already... I mean, Vandal Savage. Here is a character who I never thought would appear in TV or movie in any form, and who whose mere existence I'm excited about. The actor looks uncannily like the comic book character. Not so sure about his acting abilities, but, like, you know, him as a kind of big bad is so interesting the end of the second episode is oh but um uh hot girl's injured so we can't time travel so we gotta stay in 1975 for another episode and, and something about that it makes me worry that the ambitions of this show are essentially to be um i'm i'm not sure if you ever heard of this but there was a comic book miniseries in the 90s called avengers forever which was written by uh, the great Kurt Busiek, who also did Astro City, one of the great sort yep. of, you know, let's assume superheroes were real on a kind of metropolitan level. I, I always say Astro City is basically Superman meets Robert Caro's The Power Broker for just being this incredible portrait of a superhero metropolis. In Avengers Forever, much like in Legends of Tomorrow, the idea is to take these, you know broad swath of Avengers characters from throughout the timeline. Some seemingly picked almost at random, and there's a great thing where they pick the modern-day version of Giant Man and Yellow Jacket, the kind of abusive, psychologically unhinged version of that <laughs> same person from, from before. But in that, each... Each issue, they were going to different timelines and different alternate universes, yeah. and you know, drawing upon these great bits of lore. And I do worry with Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, this is a TV show. <laughs> like, how how are they going to be able to tell those kinds of ambitious stories well, on think, that level? But I think there's a precedent for it. I mean, this is this could be our superhero Doctor Who, <gasps> which is kind of redundant yes. because I know Doctor Who can be seen as almost like a superhero. But I mean, like, uh, th th there's that part of it where I think it could be a lot of fun. My I, I, again, my, 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 like, in addition to my problem with the show being like, it just, it's too big. Um, I don't know if it's like servicing and juggling all of its characters well. They could, they could, is, they could stand doing a leftovers season two with the storytelling, I think, where they, they, they do a more centric, like, and maybe they will. I've only seen the first two. And by the they, way, I mean, if the philosophy of the show is we're going to start paring down this cast. Because by the end of the, of the second episode, Hawkman has been killed. They've already killed Hawkman! Which, which I kind of really liked. Which <laughs> I really liked. I mean, not, not because I didn't like that actor. I, I actually really liked that actor playing Hawkman. But I kind of thought, like, oh, like, this, like, is, is trying to convince me that there are stakes in this show. And that uh, things might change pretty radically from episode to episode. Because the thing that, 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 that left me with a lot of doubt about the show after the first two episodes is... Is uh, is the premise, and I think as I wrote in my review, you know, by the end of the second episode, two things have happened that, like, I assumed that would happen in this show, and um, I was like, oh, I, I don't want every episode to be like this. Is that one is is that th they have an opportunity to take out Vandal Savage? So the whole the whole storytelling franchise of this show is Vandal Savage is the worst, is this this horrible horrible man who is immortal. And in the future, he's going to take over the world and um, uh, and and turn it into a dystopia, and people will die. It'll be a really, really awful thing. So now the, um, the, the 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 mission of this series is to go to key parts of time where maybe Vandal Savage, I guess, might be vulnerable or wherever they can find him, um, and try to take him out. 
for the sake of saving the future from his, you know, from him. So right away, I'm going to be like, well, how often is Vandal Savage going to appear in this show? And is every episode going to be like this near miss of assassinating him? And because that's going to get old right away. And by the end of the second episode, they, they, okay, you, you've done that story. Yes. You've done that near miss story. Like, if you do it again, it better be really good or really well, because different. Because the concern is, like, what you're saying is this could be the superhero Doctor Who, which to me would be the best case scenario where you, you not only shake up the setting, but you shake up the storytelling on a week-by-week basis. Right. Now, I was thinking that what it might actually be is the superhero Sliders, uh-huh. which is yeah. maybe, okay. a, maybe a, a, a less ambitious attempt but you know where essentially each week you're going to you know maybe a kind of new setting and you know part of the fun of it is oh things are different and oh like now they're all dressed in 70s attire and now they're all dressed in 60s attire and now we're in the future and now we're in the past but what you're saying is what if it's just the superhero where in time is Carmen San Diego? where literally each week is like we're going to this place oh like you know we're here in 1975 and it's and it's Watergate and there's Vandal Savage and he's you know that's that is something that I would be concerned about as well is are we just sort of chasing you know this this guy across well, if, time if, if, if that's going to be the storytelling franchise storytelling franchise of the show then it puts a lot of pressure on every single episode to be about something else than that plot which is okay the this story of the week is that we are now going to go to the 1960s and vandal savage is somewhere there and we're going to get another shot at them at him but before we do we're going to have this story. We're going to tell this story that's set in the 60s in which they do something. Yes. And A, well, that story has to be really compelling. The, 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 the evocation of the 60s has to be really strong and really authentic and a fun thing unto itself, you know, so that we're really gripped by this um, uh, before we get to the inevitable sort of like drat, Vandal Savage got away again. Because what you don't want to feel each week is, all right, we are on a mission to save the world and to save the future. This is the most important thing. I mean, from my understanding in the context of the Berlantiverse, this may be the most important thing that has ever happened. I mean, I'm I'm not sure that the Flash... Has, has he saved the world yet? He's he's probably saved Central City a few times, but but so what you don't want is for that to be the stakes every episode, and then it's like, oh, but come on, we're in the fifties. Let's go and like you know hang out and have fun. Uh oh, character B is having a subplot that involves meeting his grandfather that will be resolved. You know that's that's what you what you don't want to have happen is this weird, you know. This the sense that the stakes are all akimbo each week, and why why are you doing anything besides just stopping Savage, which right. w- w- which could be one concern. And based on the first couple episodes, I have strong doubt that it can actually do that kind of story. That I like uh, like let's have let's tell a really fun story in this time period that brings it to life in a really kind of cool and fun and 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 and, and authentic way because. I think that its uh, its vision of the '70s, I thought, was was pretty superficial. The other thing that got me worried about the show, um, uh, based on its first two episodes, was they already did the story of, oh my gosh, I've interfered with the timeline. Um, I prevented my earlier self from meeting my wife. Um, that's going to change history. What's going to change our present? It's going to it's, it's, it, it did the Back to the Future story already. 
And so, as I said in my review, is is this every episode of the show? Which is like, we're um, this is what's you know, if, if the idea is that we're going to tease out for a long period of time the resolution of finding and neutralizing Vandal Savage, the two things that are going to get really boring really quick are near misses and. We're about to kill him, but oh, we've made a mistake in the past of screwing up the timeline. We got to give up the mission of getting Vandal Savage, and we have to fix the timeline, and then we're going to have to go to a different point because, in time to get another shot. Because then the worry is it, it becomes the Gotham model where you realize, like, the heroes of this show are just terrible at what they're doing. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, like, this, this is a joke that many people have made, but with Gotham, it's just like, Jim Gordon, you are single-handedly creating a generation of villains here by, right. by your, your constant mishandling of, of uh, criminal justice matters. That, that is a good point, yeah. Like, it'll be interesting to monitor. What I will say is, more than anything, what I feel about Legends of Tomorrow is if they have the capability to, on the storytelling side, actually explore these characters, I found the cast really strong throughout. Yes. And what I liked especially was that they're working in different modes that almost feels to me like an attempt to corral together a lot of different kinds of superhero shows. Like, uh, you know, when you have Victor Garber playing, you know, playing a character who feels to me very emotionally true, right next to, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about this. You, you, may, you, you may have seen them in their earlier incarnation on The Flash, but the prison break guys, Wentworth Miller and yeah. Dominic Purcell, they are making such choices with their roles that I love, yeah. that are kind of insane. No, I'm I mean, with you. I, 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 love, I, love, I love its lineup of characters. I love the casting of it all. Um, I guess to, to put it very simply, the part of the show that I hate the most is the Vandal Savage of it all. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if, if, if there is a way the show can, what I'd love to see the show be able to do is, uh, is, is deal quickly with the Vandal Savage storyline and set up a new premise for the show in which they're still traveling through time, still solving problems. Um, but, uh, but, but, are, but, but, but no longer framed by the story of, of taking out um, a, a Vandal Savage. So it can be more kind of like a, yeah, maybe there is some kind of like lightly serialized plot throughout, which is that there, there is some kind of conspiracy through time or uh, some sort of like, you know, uh, long, long form story, some kind of goal that they're, they're, they're pursuing, but, that, but it can set up kind of richer, um, uh, 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 episodic uh, case of the week kind of things, uh, Doctor Who style, yeah. you know, um, that isn't sort of completely framed or encumbered or labored by, burdened by the, the, the Vandal Savage yes. stuff. We do need our American Doctor Who, though. Unless it's the X-Files. Who knows? I mean, oh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. see. Uh, Jeff, uh, I think we've more or less solved the history of superhero television here. Uh, and it'll be exciting to keep on checking in on this stuff. I'm, I'm on board with, with, with Legends of, of Tomorrow for exactly the reason you seem to be hesitant about it, which is it is so, it, it is so completely 
the 90s comics that I grew up reading. Sure. And I, I don't entirely mean that as a compliment because it, it, is, it is, you know, I, I always remember I, I picked up issue number four of The Infinity War having not read the first three issues nor The Infinity Gauntlet, which was the first miniseries that, that led into it. And what I recall so strongly about that was just feeling like the brunt of characters and the sort of, you know, post-George Perez type of, of, of illustrations where yes. there was just 20 different people all at once. And Legends of Tomorrow feels more like that than anything I've ever seen on a, on a, in, a, in a live action context. No, so I, I, I feel the need to stick with it, even though, as I often say, Infinity War is not a good comic book. <laughs> right. Well, I want it to be the show that you're talking about. Right. Like, you know, like that, those frame of references, like, yes, I, I kind of love the, um, the, the much muchness of it all. The sort of the, the embrace of, of, of every corner of the DC Comics universe, the want to bring it in and do a, a sort of like a faithful version of it without watering it down. The time travel, although I don't, to be honest with you, I actually, I think that is a weakness in the Berlantiverse game. It's treatment of time travel. They just don't really care about rules or taking that seriously. We should talk about this when Twelve Monkeys comes back. We yeah. should we should figure out when when do time travel rules work and when do they not work. Their their treatment of it in Legends of Tomorrow seems to be don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, 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 and I like that, and I don't. Yeah. You know, I think there's good and bad to that. You know, like I I, I like you know I, I don't want it to be all rulesy, um, but I. But at the same time, I, I don't want, I, I, I kind of, you know, for the, for the drama to have uh, potency and, and, and power, um, I, 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 you know, I think that you need some kind of rules. But, but yeah, I, I, I think that, um, I think it can be the show that you're describing. That sort of like wonderful, delightful, like gonzo 90s comic book, superhero comic book stuff. Um, but, but. Um, but but it needs to take care of the Vandal Savage problem because as long as it's, it's sort of tethered to the Vandal Savage problem, which I, I which you know that's the reason why this show exists. So without Vandal Savage, there's no reason to be going through time. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. They need a new reason to be doing. Let's this. let's hope that it's it's like the so pattern. it can be more of what you really what we yeah. really want it to be. Yeah, I, I my my thing is let's hope it's like the pattern from Fringe season one where it's like you know we 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 toss it out there and that's the first thing and then we immediately we immediately kind of right. lose it. Um, this has been. Uh, a great episode. Thanks for sticking with us. If you listeners have any uh, superhero TV shows that we missed or any shows you think we uh, didn't talk about enough, send me an email at Darren underscore Franich at EW.com. Jeff does not receive emails. And also, if you have any thoughts about Legends of Tomorrow or DC characters you'd like to see, let us know. I'm hoping that Wave Rider makes an actual appearance. They're in the Wave Rider, which is a, a vehicle, but I want the, the golden guy who caused... Uh, uh, 2001 AD or whatever it was to happen. I want to see him ap- appear at I, some point. Now, this might buck, bump up against the limits of what the show can accomplish, but I would love to see them go to the far future and give us the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, that would be incredible. That's where they're. That's that, that has to be where they're where they're still building to eventually, right? Right. Now, I wonder if there is a Legion of Superheroes future in this in this version of Legends of Tomorrow. Given that, I believe that the Vandal Savage dystopia kicks in about a hundred years from now. 
but it would be interesting if like they were in the 30th century right yeah yeah (laughs) so if eliminating uh a vandal savage ultimately of of course then uh changes the future but uh, allows for the legion of superheroes future to kick in and uh so so maybe we don't get the legion of superheroes future until the vandal savage problem is 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 resolved if that happens can we agree now we'll do a podcast where we rank all 2000 members of the legion of superheroes uh, as as long as cosmic boy is number one (laughs) i i i was gonna go with a brainiac five personally well we'll we'll discuss that maybe matter eater led i've always had a soft spot for matter thanks for listening we'll be back next week on entertainment